and welcome to In The Rising Podcast. My name is Bettina Brown, and this is the platform I've chosen to talk about living a life that's in alignment with your hopes, your dreams, and your goals, basically your vision, and turning your back on that shame and blame game that does nothing for us. It doesn't move our needle in the right direction. And my guest today is the prime example of someone who left behind the shame, blame, and the desperation and the sadness and really had an experience that made me even think, are you kidding me? That really did happen to you? But she's turned it around and she has used that experience to provide hope and love and share gratitude and kindness out in the world. And so I welcome you to my podcast, In the Rising, today. Susan De Lorenzo, I am so happy to speak with you this evening. Um, Pre-dinner, post-dinner, we're depending on our time zone. But thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Bettina. It's so good to be with you. So I... I have learned more about you. I've been to your website. I've read about you. But there is something about your story that really resonates um, with me. And it, it sounds like you have gone through a major life event. And I'd like you to share what that life event was. I'd be happy to. It It's funny because it's been some time now, but it it changed my life. It changed the whole trajectory of my life. I was diagnosed with uh, invasive breast cancer, but if I were to back up a few months before that, I just had a little cancer. I found that I had um, what were called calcifications in my left breast and had a lumpectomy, clean margins, which means I got all the cancer. And I, I just thought, well, that was weird. What a little blip that was. Mm -hmm. And I went for a follow-up appointment and um, it was with a radiation oncologist and I already had it in my head. I'm not going to need any radiation. It was just a little cancer. They got it all. And she agreed with me and then um, asked if I would mind having a, a breast examination done with the medical student in the room. And we went through the whole thing and she mm -hmm. got to my um, other breast. I, I had the surgery in my left breast for the little cancer and she uh, palpated my right breast and stopped and looked at me and asked, has anybody talked to you about the lump in your right breast? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, time just freezes there because I just thought, well, I, I dodged a bullet. I'm fine. Now, where mm -hmm. was I? I was leading a really um, frenetic life. I, I was a, um, a full-time working mother and wife and owner of this old house. <laughs> so it was like a, always something. It was just, I used to say there was never enough of me to go around mm -hmm. that I was just spread so thin. And I never, I, I did so little for myself. I was just always in, in service to the child I love, to the house, to my husband, to this job where I had, I was an administrative assistant. I had four bosses in the sales department. I took uh, an hour ride, train ride uh, into Boston from my home in Mansfield in Massachusetts. And I was tired and I just thought, um, you know, that's the way it goes, Susan. You did the best you could. You made your bed. Now you got to lie in it as if I had no other choice, as if I had just 
almost had this assignment given to me as my life. Mm -hmm. So here I am, I am faced with having um, a surgery, another surgery actually, and it was um, a lumpectomy where um, the surgeon came back and said it was worrisome. So I already kind of knew it wasn't going to be great news, but I mentally couldn't handle it. So I would just tell myself, oh, it's probably just this. It's definitely uh, the same as what I had in my left breast. It's just more obvious. I just could only handle so much. So that's what I told myself. And um, so I ended up down the road having to have a mastectomy. I had two more surgeries and they couldn't, it, it wouldn't have been worth it. And it turned out that there was with a mastectomy, like three more centimeters of a tumor in there. Mm. So it really was the right move. And mm -hmm. I went on to have chemotherapy and radiation. And following that, um, I was finally getting my libido back. I know that's something, you know, people talk about, you know, chemo brain and everything else. And you're, you know, in a little fog most of the time and not feeling well. So I was excited after I was told I was cancer-free, the, the chemo stuff's getting out of my system, and I'm moved to make a, um, you know, kiss my husband on the couch one night, and he says, that's enough. And I was like very um, surprised, but not surprised. Mm -hmm. I knew there were signs of problems in the marriage all along. But I, again, couldn't deal with it. I just kept myself running like a wheel, like a rat on a wheel. And anything that was a problem, I just wanted to run away from. And um, this time I couldn't. And he went on to tell me that, you know, he just wanted to live alone. He did not want to be um, a husband anymore. He wanted to be a father to our son. We had an 18-month-old child. Mm -hmm. And um, I just remember going up to the bathroom and yelling up to God, do you think I could just have a year off? I was so um, not ready for this <laughs> one-two punch. You know, I was, I had just been through a year of surgeries, chemo, radiation, a lot of fear, um, and then this. and. Yet, I knew because I had come through cancer and it came out on the other side feeling grateful for my life, that this wasn't going to be so bad. I know that sounds, I didn't want it. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, but there was some perspective here. Come, You know, here's losing, you know, a marriage. Here's losing your life. So I had some sense of, um, okay, I don't want this, but I'm going to be okay. And it took a lot of time uh, to, for me to actually get to that point where I was seeing, hey, I was in a codependent marriage. I grew up as the daughter of a parent with depression, and that's what I married. And I just inserted myself like a puzzle piece like oh i know how to do this and it's so unconscious we do this in so many parts of our lives if we take a look and this was my time to find out what my role was in this relationship 
so that I never had to do it again. Mm-hmm. So much came out of this where I finally began to treat myself with um, real care, real regard. And I finally got it that I only get to be Susan Lorenzo this one time. Mm-hmm. Even if you believe in reincarnation, right? I only get to be this person yeah. one time. And so um, I wanted to give her a really good ride. I, I was done uh, saying, oh, well, you did the best you could. And not taking any ownership of my life and the choices I was going to make going forward. Yeah. And you said a lot of powerful things in that that statement. Uh, first of all, is that you've spent a lot of your life being in service to other people. And there is in service of others, and then there's in service of others, where <laughs> there is nothing to you that you have no importance. And then there's just doing things that you love to help others, right? But there has to be a balance, and often we will swing one way or another, did you observe a lot of this in service to others as well growing up? Is that another puzzle piece you felt that was just something you owned? I had to, yeah. I I look back at my childhood, and I think a lot of us do have them where you have to obey and please your parents. Your parents have expectations for you. Um, teachers have expectations for you. Um clubs you join, anything, you know, there's a certain way of making it okay. And when uh, I was growing up with my mother who had depression, you never know, you never knew who you were getting from day to day. You know, she was funny. She was fun. She was beautiful. And I, and, and I loved that person, but some days you got the dark, the really unhappy, angry or what and you never knew and I took um full responsibility for whether or not she was happy mm-hmm. and um tried to stay out of the way if she wasn't tried not to make anything worse so it was this whole um I guess you would say survival mode but um I was pretty I thought I was pretty good at it you know and when I wasn't I blamed myself Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned that you went up to the bathroom. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> can I have a break? And and many of the discussions I have with with people, and it, I'm going to be honest, I was also in same said bathroom. Just I don't know what it is about bathroom <laughs> <laughs> that we can really just let it all be out free, maybe because that is where the shower is and we are most vulnerable. Um, but. Where did it go from, or was it instantaneous that you knew I am going to make it because I've come this far, or was that a process for you as well? Or was the process the cancer journey? No, it was a process. There was like a part two process. I certainly went through a process with cancer treatment, but this was getting into what do I want for my life going forward? This is a being set free from something that wasn't healthy for either of us, um, I didn't think. And there was a moment where I had to give up control. Uh, I had to do it with cancer. 
and now I had to do it with this marriage and and say, I'm not driving the bus on this one. And there was a moment I went in, there was a church um, across the street from where I worked. And I went in and I just sat at the back of this big church and I was just crying. And I opened up a hymnal. I used to love, I used to sing in the church choir. I was, that was probably my favorite part about church. <laughs> and um, I opened up to this hymn so randomly and it was all about and i'm not going to get all the words right but it was like if you but trust in god to guide you guide thee he'll see you through your darkest hour he'll give you peace whate'er betide thee and i mean so here's this message coming to me mm-hmm. and it really hit my heart and it wasn't that everything you know like light came through and hit me on the head or anything but something happened that was like, you're going to be okay. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, it's going to be just, you know, super easy. But yeah, you're going to be okay. I've got you and you've got me. And it's not that um, I'm a super religious person, but I do have a faith. Mm-hmm. I do. And, and that really did anchor me during cancer. And, and it was just kind of the reminder of, okay, pick this up again and use it and use it for the rest of your life. Don't ever have to live in doubt and fear. You're all, you know, I really do believe when I look back on my life, I've never fallen in a hole. Have I gotten myself into a few (laughs) pieces of trouble? Yes, but never like in the abyss. Mm -hmm. And I, I read about you and it said um, you described it what, that time of your life, like a hurricane going through your life, clearing it out. Um, I have a little quote by my bed. Sometimes uh, God calms the storm and sometimes God calms the sailor in that some of these storms of life happen, but there can be some benefits. I mean, we, not always, there are some horrific things that happen, but sometimes in the upheaval, you come across to the other side that you have to kind of be forced to. What do you feel like you've received from going through this hurricane? You know, I have to tell you, that reminds me of a phrase I use, that I thought the universe was kicking my butt, but it turns out it was cleaning my house. (laughs) So, sounds kind of similar. Mm -hmm. Um, So, ask the question again, because I want to make sure I address it right. What do you feel... Now that you've been through that hurricane that you gained on the other side. Clarity. I was in, uh, I was telling myself a story to survive, but it wasn't the true story. And so when everything got whipped up and was completely disorienting at the time, everything was laid bare before me at the end of cancer and especially at the end of the revelation my made at the time left me. And I used um, to say that cancer lifts a veil, that it does let, lay everything bare in front of you if you're looking. Some people try to go back and create what they used to have. I really couldn't do that. And so it just kind of cleared this... Um, life I used to have. I certainly still had the same job. But then I had the chance to elevate my life. 
I had a new awareness. I had a new understanding of what I wanted. I didn't want to go back and recreate um, things that were so unhealthy for me and um, really as an example for um, the young son I had at the time. So that awareness led me to say, I'm going to treat this life with reverence and I'm going to have fun. I didn't have a lot of fun. (laughs) I'm going to have rich relationships that are meaningful to me. I'm going to give to myself and I'm going to be grateful. Mm -hmm. And, And gratefulness, gratitude is so important because when we focus on the negative and, and there's sometimes a lot of negative that, but even in a better time of life, there's still bad things happening to someone, right? And that right. Can be pathetic too, but being in that place of gratitude can change your entire experience. And so you also mentioned that you went on and um, learned a lot more about coaching and had your own Reiki experience share how you went into some other avenues. Yes. Um, in terms of um, cancer treatment, acupuncture and Reiki, along with meditation and journaling, made it so that I had another outlet and um, a form of, I want to say, having a say mm-hmm. in my treatment and my mindset. And I also use visualization. So all of these things, I didn't just have to wait to see what a doctor would say for me, you know, or what was my next medical appointment or chemotherapy. I was supporting myself with acupuncture, which moves the toxins through your body, which helps with nausea, which helps boost your immune system. The Reiki, I was um, able to, um, I, I would have it the night of the chemo treatment. So I'd have chemo that day. The night my uh, two Reiki practitioners would come to my house, they'd bring a table. And by the end of the hour, I would be asleep on that table without taking any drugs. And and they would just kind of haul me up to bed and I'd go to sleep. And that was amazing to me. Um, to have that kind of experience. And it showed me that it's so worth exploring how we can support ourselves mm-hmm. uh, and, and work in conjunction or have other options depending on how you're feeling called to explore it. Yeah. And that's the way you worded that is really um, amazing. And now you are also a coach, are you not? Yes. And that did not happen right away. I hung on to my job for quite some time as a single mom. I just did not feel, you know, I was bored out of my mind in that job. But I um, also thought I've got benefits. I know what my paycheck is. You know, it was the devil, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, not no offense to the job. They were lovely people. <laughs> but that's just a phrase I'm using. Nobody was a devil. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, So that was the devil I knew. And it wasn't until I was laid off from a job that I finally said, okay, I got a little severance. What can I do? 
um, that I would love and feel like this would be more um, my thing. And even then, um, I came across some a Facebook ad that said, would you like to be a speaker, a teacher, a coach? And I said, yeah. And I clicked on it. Mm-hmm. And this woman, her name is Mary Morrissey, said, so many things that I had come to learn, especially through my cancer journey, which is that, you know, we are the builders of our lives. The mind is the builder and the choices we make are the builders. And so I was nodding just um, along with everything she was saying. I'm like, this is in, in alignment already with how I think about life. Yeah. And I ended up making an appointment and talking to somebody about signing up and the price was scary. And I hear I'm on a severance. I'm a single mom. And yet I made myself do it. And my, I wanted to throw up my knees were knocking and I sat back down after I gave her my credit card, hung up the phone and this peace came over me. I thought, oh my gosh, I think I just did the right thing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And so now you're coaching, share more about how people can learn for, you know, learn from you, contact you, all that. Yes. So I love coaching women who are coming out of life-changing adversity, especially when they've had some time for some reflection and know um, what they'd love to change up. Uh, Maybe they have a little more self-awareness. And if you go to my website, susandelorenzo.com, S-U-S-A-N-D-E-L-O-R-E-N-Z-O.com, you can learn more about me there, or you can email me at susan at susandelorenzo.com. I also post on uh, my Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash dream coach Susan. So you can always get a little tidbit of me there Mm -hmm. too. Nice. Final question for us. What is still on the horizon for Susan? What is What are you still rising up to? Wow. Um, two things. And one has been years in the making. I'm, you know, almost embarrassed to say it, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel with this book I'm working on called Pulling the Gems from Adversity, which is you know, my pet project is learning from adversity and using what you learn to elevate your life with it. So that's number one. And then the second is um, working on a podcast that um, really will go deeper than adversity. Um, The name of it is called The Soul of Plenty. It's coming out in January. And that is more about how you and I, all of us are fully resourced at a soul level. And many of us have been trained away from that, conditioned away from that. And what if we could get all of that back again? So I'll be having different guests on that. We're going to be calling about different parts of what we're resourced with. Yeah. I love that because everything you need, you have. You're just not maybe aware of how to pull that out. Um, And sometimes events have to unveil the door. (laughs) Yes. Not always a nice um, event, but... um, to know that you have all you need in one way or another is um, a comforting feeling. Um, Tina, have you heard the phrase? It's an acronym I learned in a meditation group years ago, AFGO, A-F-G-O. I have not. I will clean it up for the podcast, but it's another effing growth opportunity. <laughs> okay. 
right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I like. I had one of those today. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, See, I, it, I, it, at least it makes you laugh. But you're like, yeah, <laughs> yep. I know what that is. <laughs> I do. I do. Susan, I have just had a really great conversation with you. I enjoyed our conversation. I enjoyed the peace that you obviously have because it comes through Zoom and two time zones. Um, And so I'm really excited for you. And I'm actually very proud of you as well for all that you've done. And you continue to be in service, yet not forgetting to serve yourself. So this 20-minute conversation that I had with Susan really made me take pause. And just in her voice and the way she just exudes confidence and peace with pretty traumatic events in her life is extraordinary. And just that itself is an inspiration. And I think a glimmer of hope that no matter what you're going through, there is another side to it. And usually getting to that other side means pounding your way right through it, but you will get there. And Susan is now taking this opportunity to share her own story and help inspire others to get to that other side, especially when it comes to the story of cancer, because that is a tough thing to go through and very scary, very isolating. And then to lose your partner throughout it is even more isolating. But her story of hope and inspiration is great. And I hope that you share this story with anyone that you feel would benefit from listening to it. And it is also my ask that you leave a really heartfelt, true review of this podcast as well, because it helps expand this general topic of in the rising to the hands and ears of those that need it the most. Thank you so much for your time, because it's that one thing we do not get back. And until next time, let's keep building one another up.